This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to FNA Van Life, the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And today we get to speak with the new state nomads. Caitlin and Howard are a wonderful couple who we've been living at a house with for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've been staying out in the RV while we're building out our van, and Adaptive Humanity is the gracious host to all this. Yeah, so we actually got here maybe a week before them. My whole timeline is way off. But so they joined us, you know, a couple days after we got here, and we all, you know, hit it off immediately. The New State Nomads are awesome, and together with Adaptive Humanity, we're having a super awesome time here on the build site. Yeah, one of the most amazing things is that we all are in a very similar boat. We're all making YouTube videos. We're all travelers and understand this lifestyle. And we absolutely love this lifestyle, all of us. So to be able to like bounce ideas off of each other, learn uh, more about the algorithm of YouTube, learn more about how they travel and what we could implement in our lives as well and what they could take from us, I think is amazing. Yeah, and I've heard a long time ago, you know, one of the lessons I live my life by is that you are a direct reflection of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so it's really important that those five people be inspiring and hardworking and motivating. And, you know, you don't want to be hanging out with people who bring you down or give you bad energy or things like that. And I can truly say that, you know, in hanging out with New State Nomads and Adaptive Humanity, we found a really cool tribe of people who inspire us to do better. Yeah, I mean, the the energy is really great here. Like, we're doing yoga together. <laughs> we're, like, just hanging Eating out. Eating so much good food, yeah. learning so much, learning from each other. You know, everybody's open to, like... Um, constructive criticism and, you know, how can we we improve? We can literally sit down and, like, pick apart somebody else's video uh, in a good way and we all take the good criticism from it and are able to improve what we're doing. And realistically, I think that it shows in the content that we've been creating. Yeah, and I can't even say that's true sometimes about Frankie and I. (laughs) Like, when we sit down, you know, if I've edited a whole video or vice versa and the other comes in and is like, the music's wrong, change this, change that... It doesn't always end well. It almost feels like a personal attack sometimes. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. And, like, it's not a personal attack at all. It's just that we're perceiving it that way and we're taking it in that way. And sometimes you need an outside perspective to, you know, bring you down to earth and not feel so attacked. Mm -hmm. So coming up in the future, we have some really exciting travel plans with these guys. We've enjoyed spending so much time with them that once our rig is done and Adaptive Humanity is done building... Then we have these really exciting plans to travel together, which we'll tell you guys all about when they get closer and more real. Um, But for now, we are all enjoying building together here. Uh, We need, like, a name for this house, you know? Yeah, I don't think we have one yet. Like, we were talking 
thinking about having a name for like the squad, like right. all, all six of us, you know, right. and the dogs, obviously. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you guys? Do you guys have any suggestions out there? Let yeah, us know. we'd love to hear. So Howard and Caitlin live in a B plus RV, which they're going to describe to you. And when we first started looking, we actually were interested in RVs because of some of the reasons that they say is that they didn't want to build. It's just you move in and it's ready and it's there. And, you know, day one, you can hit the road. Yeah. But unfortunately for us, you know, in our price range, RVs were... <laughs> Let's just say they were bottom of the line. Yeah, so we didn't have a lot of money to spend on our first van life van. And we did want something that could be reliable reliable for us and to make it up and through these mountain passes. So we were looking at like, I mean, like 60s to 80s RVs basically yeah. at the point we were at. But. but they were all kind of falling apart. The roofs all needed to be repaired. For us, it just kind of felt like it needed to be a full gut job, and we were like, well, if we're going to gut an RV, we might as well start with a blank slate and get an empty van and mm-hmm. do it ourselves. But I can totally appreciate that it would be so nice, especially now that we're in the middle of our second build, to just have something pre-built for you that you can move in and not worry about. Yeah, it would be amazing just how my back doesn't feel like it's breaking every day. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's that's the price that we pay. That's the life we want to live. And we really do want a custom build. And that's why we're sticking with the, the van style build. Because uh, we can make everything exactly how we like it. Especially with a year of travel underneath our belt. We really know exactly how we want to live and what we do for fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think the second time around it even crossed our minds to think about RVs. We no. were literally just like, okay, we got rid of Lolo. Let's find a van and let's build a new van. And I think particularly like when we thought about RVs, we thought about like having to stay in campgrounds and whatnot. Uh, where when you look at their RV and the ability that they have that you'll hear in this podcast uh it might be a valuable option. Yeah, so if you've been thinking about RVs, um, hopefully we haven't dissuaded you from them in our previous vlogs, Uh, but Howard and Caitlin are going to share with you today how RV life has changed their life for the better and how much they love living on the road. Let me start off with that big question. Why van life? Or RV life in this case? That is a good question. It was one of those things where it had always been a pipe dream. Like, one day, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? One day, one day, one day. And one day, the stars aligned, and we're like, we don't want to wait anymore. We don't want to be, you know, too old to go, like, hiking and exploring. And so we said, why not now? Yeah, I remember it like it was July of 2018, because it was July of 2018. (laughs) And we were in our apartment in Miami. We were, um, Caitlin had just started a job just a couple months before, and it just wasn't the right fit. And um, I already had a contract with another company, and so I was working remotely. And I was like, Caitlin, let's just do it. Uh, The problem was we literally had nothing. We we didn't know what RV we were going to be in. We didn't even know where we were going to go. Uh, because again, it was like, oh, someday, well, someday is right now. So then we spent like the next 30 days looking at hundreds of different RVs, different floor plans, because we needed something that we could take right then and there. We didn't have time to build a van. I always dreamed of building a van. And so the next best thing was let's find the one that's as close as humanly possible to what we want. 
and ultimately we found it. And so then we hit the road in August of 2018, and we haven't looked back. What was that? What was that initial feeling like? Like when you got on the road, were you like scared? Like yeah, how, I think where were you guys at? Anytime you make a major life change, there's always that feeling of like, is this a mistake, or you know, have I just like, what have I done? But there was also this overwhelming sense of excitement and like we I mean literally the world was our oyster it was like where do we go first we have all these amazing places and yeah it was just like ultimate excitement and freedom in the first 12 months we always tell people like we hit all four corners of North America we did not have that intended at all so like our very first trip from Miami was all the way to Nova Scotia which is thousands of miles Uh, and then we went back down to Florida then we went to California and then we went to Alaska that summer so yeah. it was like crazy yeah. fast. You guys did um, a hell of a lot of travel within a short period of time. I'll tell you now. Yeah. Like, we have to go everywhere. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, we what was our first year? Was it 20,000? I can't remember how many miles. Oh, our first year was 20,000. 20,000. Oh, no. We did hit the like, corners, but. Yeah, we did a lot. But yeah. I feel like most people, when you first hit the road, you're like, oh, we need to go. We need to go as fast as we can. We need to yeah. see as much as we can. I don't know about you guys, but when we first started, we were like, we're just going to do this for one year. <laughs> so exactly we felt like we needed said. to do as much as we could in one year because yeah. that was our only year. Yes. That was actually exactly what we said. We're like, we'll commit to a year. So we put all of our stuff in storage and we're like, we'll see if we like it. We have an exit plan in case we hate it. And we're coming, this year will be three years. Mm-hmm. So... We yeah, just visited, actually. We visited our storage unit. It's in Tampa. Uh, and um, it was like, wow, look at all this amazing new furniture. We bought brand new furniture for Miami. Because you look, just moved to Miami. Yeah, we right, just we're, moved we're, to Miami. Yeah, we're only there so four months. We have packed all that stuff into a storage unit because that was our get out of jail, you know, in case we didn't like RV life after a year. And yeah, like it's a little surreal because we're still paying on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's brand new furniture. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I, I got asked, what was that moment that was like? I want to continue doing this. Well, I will say, talking about going super fast, I did have some burnout at the end of that first year, mm-hmm. where I did kind of question, like, do we want to keep going? And so I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. We went back to Richmond for a couple weeks and it was nice to like decompress and have some time with family and friends, but I was getting the itch again to go. And that was for me, the turning point where I was like, okay, I am not made to be in one place. Mm -hmm. Like I want to keep going and keep exploring. And that really solidified it for me that it was like, okay, this, this is our life and I love it and I want to keep going. It's ironic. I, I, I actually remember the breaking point for you and that was Alaska. So what happened was we went really fast up and back. So we were meeting friends. We had this whole grand plan. We were like, okay, uh, we're going to meet our friends up in Alaska. They're going to stay with us in the RV, and then we're going to travel around Alaska. But that meant that we had to be up there by a certain date because they were flying in. They'd already booked their tickets. Well, then on the way back down, um, so it took us seven days to go up. It took us only six days to get back down. We did it even faster. Whoa. And that is such a long distance, and... Uh, for those of you who don't know, the distance from Seattle, Washington to Anchorage, Alaska is further than from Los Angeles to New York. So you're literally crossing the entire continental United States. And some. Ju- and then some. <laughs> just going from the northwestern border of the continental United States to Alaska. It's really wild how far it is. Anyway, I, that was like really starting to affect you. And you could just tell like it was really starting to put a strain on Caitlin um, and so by the time we were starting to like make our way across the country, cause we had to do a couple things, we had a couple stops along the way planned. It was like, 
um, we need to pause. Not a happy mm-hmm. time. If we don't yeah. pause, if we don't slow down, like this is over. Yeah, right. we're losing this lifestyle. Right. Yeah. We're doing hundreds of miles a day, mm-hmm. and right. every day. Right. At oh, that yeah. point, it just it just isn't as enjoyable. So mm-hmm. yeah. it was finding that balance. And so you'd say this is how long into your journey now? This is like almost a year into your journey, or six months into your journey when you found this moment of like I'm getting burnt out. One year almost exactly. It was a year, mm-hmm. yeah. It was the end of the first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was August of 19 mm-hmm. is when we were heading back to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So how would you say that your travel style has changed from that first year to now these next two years? Obviously, you know, post-COVID is probably also different than year two, yeah. but like how, has, how have things differed? When we first hit the road, I was all about planning. I was like, well, we need to stay in campgrounds. We need electricity. We need water hookups. We need to know where we're staying. Mm-hmm. And so I was very much like plan oriented. And I think that contributed to my burnout too, because I was like, well, we have to get to this place by a certain date. And now I've totally flipped. I'm like, we'll figure it. Like, we don't know sometimes where we're going the next day or even yeah. that day. That day. <laughs> There's a time where one time we were at a Cracker Barrel. I'll never forget. It was This was just a couple months ago. We didn't even know where we were going that day. The story like, of a Cracker Barrel. Direction. <laughs> Do we go? We're eating breakfast at Cracker Barrel. We had just stayed overnight at the Cracker Barrel, as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so we're having breakfast. And it was, it was for my birthday. Mm-hmm. It was in September. And we still had not decided what direction we were going to go. So, like, we're eating breakfast, looking at our phones, and it's like, do we go north, south, east, west? We really had no idea. Yeah, wow. that's wild. That's, I mean, that's kind of a great feeling. Right. Though. It's helped a lot because then you just have this – it's just more freedom, and you're not putting those constraints on yourself of, like, well, I have to be in this spot by this certain date. And sure, there are still times where that happens or you have a commitment that you have to do. But it's definitely taken that pressure off of me, and I kind of live for that like unknown and that excitement now. So it's a complete 180 from our style of travel in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you'd say like that burnout turned into uh, like the want and ability to explore new places without knowing where you're going. Exactly. So like, if you were to tell people that are just starting. Would you say, like, don't plan as much, I guess? Yes, that's actually what... When we, to- when we talk to friends who are getting into this lifestyle, we tell them that advice. Like, try not to book those campgrounds, like, back-to-back. Because if you get to a place and you really like it, you want that flexibility to stay longer and explore mm-hmm. more. Or if you get somewhere and it's not your kind of spot, you want to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing, too, is particularly... Um, you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment over and over again. And ultimately, if you're sitting there making reservations... I know this is a little bit different between like van life versus RV life because a lot of times I feel like van lifers don't necessarily stay at campgrounds, uh-huh. but you might still stay at a national park or mm-hmm. a state park mm-hmm. and so you'll make a reservation yeah. for like a camp spot there. Um, the point is, is that if you have all of these hard deadlines and then you stop making those deadlines where you're like, oh, we're having a great time in Texas and we have to be in Nebraska tomorrow, um, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. Oh, yeah. And so ultimately you're almost causing yourself more stress mm-hmm. and more pressure when it's not necessary, it's not needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, we try and keep it as light as humanly possible now. I think one of the reasons that a lot of us are drawn to this lifestyle is that freedom. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that we keep that flowing throughout our quote-unquote planning or non-planning I think is important, an important lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for us, we only stayed in campsites, I think, two times our whole entire time out there on the road. And... 
we were we were rushed in the beginning because we were trying to set this goal of doing all the mountains and whatnot, and that it burnt us out as well. And we we totally understand where you come from. Whether you're in an RV or in a van, mm-hmm. if you're trying to plan too much, you get stuck and you, you get burnt out. And you exactly. want you want to change, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about how you guys have sustained yourselves for these three years. So what is it that you do for work to keep yourselves on the road? So originally, when we hit the road, um, we were both consulting and doing marketing consulting. So I had clients, Howard had clients. We kind of have merged that and have our own consulting business for marketing. So like everything from um, social media management to crisis communications. I'm a former news reporter and anchor, so I have that background. Um, Howard worked in high-end media. So we have like that avenue. And then more recently, a year ago, we started a YouTube channel, and that has kind of supplemented as well too. Yeah, so the YouTube channel has really taken off. And actually, that coincided with uh, ironically, our last topic, which was kind of like the planning element, we went to Mexico, and so we spent five months in Mexico, which is a place where you want to highly plan. I just want to stress <laughs> that to anyone who's listening to this right now. Do not go to Mexico without a plan. But um, anyway, we were like, well, we should really document it. Like, this is the time to start a YouTube channel. Given our backgrounds, it made the most sense. And in a year's time, it's incredible to look back at the growth because we literally started the channel in February of 2020. And, you know, in February of 2021, uh, we had 17,000 subscribers and like over a million views. It's ridiculous, like, actually, because it's such an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that we have a long way to go uh, in growth, but it, it is actually becoming something where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, mm-hmm. it is really something that um, could actually generate enough revenue to actually pay our expenses, which yeah. is amazing. I got to say, we love the channel. We think you guys make great videos, and they show you great places where you could go eat, uh, different places to travel. They're super dog-friendly, uh, which is so fun. I love all their dogs. They're so fun to play with. And <laughs> luckily enough, we've been able to spend a lot of time with these guys and uh, be able to hang out with them and their dogs and learn a lot uh, about YouTube. So it's been a blessing in disguise that we had this opportunity to meet you guys for sure. Definitely. Um, and that's what's so cool, I think, about YouTube and just the nomad lifestyle in general is that you meet people that you otherwise would have never met. You know, mm-hmm. if we were all working our corporate jobs, like, we never would have met each other. And so that's the really awesome thing. Yeah, I would have been stuck in a mechanical room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no shot here. at all I would have met you guys. <laughs> so based on the timeline that you just gave about starting your channel in February of 2020, other big things also happened in February of 2020 leading up to, you know, the whole pandemic and everything that, so your trip into Mexico and the starting of your YouTube channel kind of all crashed into like the global meltdown. Yeah. That was like the best timing ever. Like if you're going <laughs> right? Right, to start a travel channel, why not in a global pandemic? And um, <laughs> when travel is, it was, it was, it was, the timing was actually really, really interesting because you do see the evolution of our channel. Number one, obviously we're still learning what the hell to do mm-hmm, right yep. as a YouTube channel. But then also you can start to see the walls kind of closing in on us because we're in Mexico. So we're in a foreign country right. and the, the world pa- is changing around the, us. and like we're receiving news of what's going on in the U S but it hasn't yet affected the uh, Mexico. Mexico yet. And so everybody in Mexico is kind of chill, like, but like, Oh, are you hearing about what's going on over there? And we're like, yeah, like we feel really bad for everybody. You're like there. those crazy Americans. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, gosh, I, you know, I, I really feel for them. And then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, um, we need to find a place to quarantine because um, Mexico is about to go to a national stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they had – it was a very different experience, I will tell you that. And, and you can see that in our videos where 
Um, they had a national stay-at-home order. They were highly restrictive on uh, only one person was allowed to go in a store. They did temperature checks, and uh, you had to fill out a little logbook whenever you would enter a store, so that way they could do contact tracing. I mean, it was really intense. Wow. Uh, and for the first, I want to say it was like the first month, two months, we didn't go out at all, like wow. at all. Yeah. Um, and we were very fortunate. We found this campground. Uh, in Isla Aguada, which is a small fishing island off the coast of uh, Mexico. It's almost to Yucatan. And so we were deep into Mexico. And that was the other part, too, was just dealing with the, do we go back? Do we stay? What mm-hmm. do we do? Uh, so that was so interesting to have a YouTube channel to kind of document that. Because oh, yeah. years from now, we're going to be able to look back on this. Like, we did 25 episodes from Mexico um, of this overall experience of when the world probably shut changed. down. Yeah, right. yeah the yeah. world shut down in that time and everybody yeah. was like, is this the end? Right. You know, nobody knew what no. was happening, honestly. And we were so naive going into it. We're like, oh, we're going to go find this campground and we're going to go stay there for, you know, a couple of weeks. Couple and weeks. we were there for three months. Wow. Yeah. I got I to gotta ask, like, how were the people in that area with you guys too being, like, foreigners as well? Oh, because was- I... That, that's an interesting uh, thing to think about. It was because, you know, at that time, the U.S. was, like, falling apart, like Howard said, and Mexico Mexico was several weeks behind yeah. what was going on in the U.S., and it eventually caught up. But us being foreigners, we were kind of looked at, like, as a danger. And I did say that mm. in the video at one point. We like, were the threat. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. they didn't know how long we had been in Mexico, and it was like, did you just fly in here? Could you be carrying this? You know, and so it was a very, like, the tables were turned, and it was a very interesting dynamic. And then once you say, like, well, we've been here, you know, we crossed the border February 1st. We've been traveling around. They're like, oh, okay. Um, but it was definitely interesting. Yeah, we were on an island, like I said, and there's only 5,000. I think there's 5,000 people that live on the island. So it's still a decent size, but not, like, not a big metropolis. Everybody knew yeah, about the Americans. Yeah, we're the gringos. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah, stick yeah. out. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I got to ask. With that being said, like, um, how do you guys feel about being RVers during that time? Do you feel like that you've had an opportunity to be blessed by this because everybody else is kind of stuck at home, where we're kind of able to travel and still live our lives a bit? You yeah, know? Well, yeah. I mean, we can go around. Like we have, we travel with our bubble. You know, like yeah. our home is on wheels, and we can go. You know, and still kind of be isolated where we want to, and choose. You know, the climate that we're in, and that kind of stuff. So it really is. A blessing in that way. I will admit that it certainly changed our travel philosophy um, post COVID, or and not post, but I guess once COVID kicked existed. in, yeah. existed. Yeah. Um, but before that, I think we would have definitely wanted to go into more cities and more urban environments. We're big into exploration uh, of cities, and um, with COVID, it became all about isolation. So once we came back in the United States, <laughs> we did this. And I'm very proud of this because um, we didn't pay for camping for 125 straight days. And that was all because of the fact that we truly wanted to try and stay isolated if we could. And so we were staying in national forests and BLM land, Mm -hmm. um, you know, city, state, county, even um, uh, areas where we could stay for free. And it was expressly to just try and stay away from people. Um, But what do you do if you're trying to still maintain? Remember, we have this YouTube channel now, so we're like, oh, we want to still do exploration videos Mm -hmm. by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it did did slightly pivot our our approach, I would say, to YouTube. But the benefit, absolutely, of RV and van life is being able to isolate yourself when you need to um, and still continue that travel experience. 
did you feel like this made a change to your thought process on how to RV? Like, did it make you want to go into the more natural places more often uh, after this whole situation happened? Can we just, okay, so I just want to clarify so that people realize we're in like a 25-foot RV. So yep. it's not like we're in one of those big, like, class mm-hmm. A buses. And 25 feet yeah. is kind of it's almost like a van. the size of it, like a big yeah. Sprinter van. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. right. And we're even built on a Sprinter chassis. Yeah. So it's basically a Sprinter front end. And Mercedes Sprinter front end, but then with a box built on the back by Winnebago. Mm-hmm. So it's only like two feet roughly longer mm-hmm. than like a normal um, Sprinter 170, like an extended um, Sprinter. It's so, basically a van with a pop out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? right. exactly. And so like that, that gives us a lot more flexibility than I think most RVers would. So to answer your question, like when we are looking for places, we're probably looking at a lot of the same places that most van lifers would mm-hmm. um, as far as places to stay. We just have more creature comforts, I would argue, than most vans because we have that flexibility of the space, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because of the box, um, it gives us like, for example, we have a, um, we have a dry bath. So our, our toilet is separate from our shower. And for Caitlin, that was a deal breaker yeah. for Caitlin. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the wet bath life. Yeah. You didn't want a wet toilet bowl seat no. to sit on? <laughs> I don't want to shower over my toilet. <laughs> you feel dirty yet. as you get clean? Yeah. <laughs> so I got to ask, like, obviously your ivory is beautiful and we've been in there and it's really nice and spacious. Say you needed to like stealth camp somewhere. Can you be in that space without the pop outs popped? Let's take a quick break to listen to our sponsor. It's us, FNA Van Life. If you're enjoying all the information that you're getting on this podcast, you're going to love our Van Life book. This book is going to take you from thinking and dreaming about Van Life to buying your rig, building it out, and everything that you need to know about being on the road, living Van Life full time. If you want to pick it up, it's available as a Kindle download on Amazon, and we would so appreciate your support. Link in the description below. Right. So we have a slide. That's yeah. exactly. So we have a slide that runs almost the entire length of uh, the driver's side of the RV. Um, we can have it in, but we just can't put our Murphy bed down. So our main bed is a Murphy bed mm-hmm. in the back. Uh, but we do have two other beds. So technically, you can sleep six people in our RV. I would never do that. It's like a lot of people for 25 feet. <laughs> it's like a clown feet. car. That's, that's a clown car. <laughs> we have had 10 people, by the way, in our RV simultaneously. Uh, we threw a party, like a, like a kind of like a housewarming party when cool. we were the first time in Richmond. And uh, that was hilarious because it's like, wow. Like, and everybody had a seat. Wow. You can wow. see 10 people. Wow. But anyway, there's a bed over the front cab, and then also the dinette turns into a bed as well. So, so if you really needed to be stealthy, yeah. you could just like Use that over the keep head it all tucked in and go in the over. But yeah. stealthy is kind of a, I mean, we stick out. Like, it yeah. is definitely an RV. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the big black Mercedes. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it, it is clearly an RV. Yeah, yeah, just like the design on the outside, because it is Winnebago. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could definitely tell, okay, I know Winnebago. Yeah. Even if you're not an RVer or a van lifer, you see a Winnebago and you know what it is. Basically. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is not a delivery truck. No, no. <laughs> and we talked about this briefly before, but you are traveling with three dogs. Yes. Yeah. So two of which kind of, how was the transition from taking them to house life or from house life to RV life? And then the third dog you actually picked up in Mexico while you were in quarantine. So do you want to just 
give us the trajectory of your dog's <laughs> travels. Yeah. So luckily, so our original two dogs, um, Piper and Ella, they are puggles, which is half beagle, half pug. So the pug and them, they sleep like 20 hours a day anyway. Our one puggle, Ella, she had a rough time with the transition into RV life just because there was a lot of noise and movement and shaking. And so we had to work with her. We had like calming treats and things like that. And eventually it got to the point where she's not, she doesn't need those treats mm-hmm. on travel days anymore. That's um, but giving them their own space in the RV really helps. So like they still, we call it dog town. So under our dinette is like their dog bed and that's where they hang out during the day. And then they have a place that they can go on travel days. So giving them their own space and their sense of comfort in that way definitely helped with the transition. But they love, I mean, they are some well-traveled dogs. Like they've watched the sunrise on Cadillac Mountain in Maine. And, you know, they've played on the beaches in California. They've played on beaches in Alaska. And Mexico. Yeah. 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 So, you know, they, from a um, getting out and exploring standpoint, they love that. Mm -hmm. And then when we added Scout, our Mexican beach dog, that was a whole nother transition. And she had never been inside before. And then we didn't know how she was going to react to like the house moving. And she's done phenomenally well. She's better on the road than the other two. That's amazing. And maybe that's because she was a street dog. Uh You know, like she's used to exploring and seeing different places. And now she really gets to explore because it was only just like that beach before. Right. Yeah. She had like a one mile stretch because in Mexico, there are like roaming packs of wild dogs. There are just dogs everywhere. And so she kind of stayed in her like territory and didn't explore too far out, but she has adapted so well. She's and like to give you guys like an idea of what Scout looks like, she's like a, almost like a greyhound looking dog. She's like super freaking fast. I mean, this dog flies around. Yeah. But uh, what type of dog is she? Do you know? We have no idea. No idea. But she's right? little. She's only twenty five pounds, which mm-hmm. is but she's super tall. tall. She is. She's, she's tall, 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 slender, and, yeah. and she is fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, I, you know, I would, if I were guessing, yeah, it's like Greyhound, maybe Whippet. Rat Terrier, Whippet. Mm-hmm. You think she has yeah. a pointer in her? She'll do the little, like, leg lift pointer yeah. thing. Yeah. She loves watching squirrels and birds. She's super <laughs> yeah. sweet, too. She absolutely mm-hmm. loves people. Uh, I mean, I, I carry her like she's a baby when, when she's around me, so. Frankie and, Frankie and Scout have a special bond. Yeah, we do, we do. Because <laughs> I'm the king of the dogs. <laughs> the king of the dogs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say, too, that, I mean, Scout in particular, well, as you guys no, I mean, she is more famous than any of us will ever be because of like the dodo and everything. So after we did a video actually at the story and the story is, um, I don't want to spoil it, but, and I don't think Caitlin's going to want to either. But anyway, there's a really cool story about how we found her and the mechanism of what allowed us to bring her back to the United States. But anyway, the dodo found uh, our story on YouTube and then did an interview with us uh, and included the footage from that episode. Uh, and as a result, like 25 million people saw it on Facebook alone. And then if you count everything all together, it's like 40 million people. What, what's the name of the video on your guys' channel? Um, Um, the thumbnail is the hardest hardest decision decision. and it's, can we adopt a dog in Mexico? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, That way the viewers know where they can find it if they want to see the story. Spoiler alert, obviously. It will will make you cry. It will make you cry. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a, it is an emotional story, but like, it's a wonderful story. Yes. It's beautiful. um, In any case. Yeah. So Scout, at this point, like we recognize how our, our bread is buttered, right? It's really mm-hmm. Scout. Yeah. <laughs> Scout, Scout is why people watch. She's the main deal. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny too, because like we've noticed if we don't show Scout enough in our videos, people start like asking us where Scout, 
Um, why didn't we see Scout? Yeah. yeah, what's going on with Scout? <laughs> we, got, we got a hashtag for that. It's hashtag where Paco yes. at. So right. people, people will be like, yo, hashtag where Paco at. You know, if they don't see him, he's definitely the, the right. main feature of ours as That's well. That's a great idea. Yeah. People love the doggos. Yeah, oh yeah. Where is it, where is it that you guys like think you might go next? Like where's your, your future travels going to take you? Do you have any idea? <laughs> we... You know, obviously with COVID, like things, our plans have changed time and time again. Again, that's the great thing about our lifestyle is that you can be flexible and you learn, you know, how to just change your plans and kind of go with the flow. Originally back in January, we were so pumped because we thought things would be much better later this year. And our goal was to go to Europe and RV around Europe. Obviously, you know, we're now in March and that's looking very unlikely. So again, it's like pivoting and figuring out, okay, if we can't go to Europe, which 99.9% we can't, um, what do we do next? We've talked about possibly going back to Alaska. Now that kind of my PTSD from that original trip is gone. That is such an epic place. It's so beautiful. We would really like to do that, but there's still a lot of states here in the U.S. we haven't explored. Yeah, we basically the Northeast. I mean, mm-hmm. we did that one trip, the very first trip, which was all the way to Nova Scotia, and we like we stopped in like New York and um, New, in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Rhode Island, but it was like it was really quick, mm-hmm. just a li- Maine. You know, we just like went up the coast. So I, I think that like that's a great opportunity for us. Also, um, frankly. Uh, the Pacific Northwest. We really didn't explore that much. It's um, beautiful out there. I, I can't wait. I mean, yeah. so I, I do feel like there are opportunities for us, even if we have to delay Europe. More I mean, you know, I, I kind of like, it's like hashtag like new states go global or whatever. But um, I do foresee that for us, the future is to continue to explore possibly the world by RV mm-hmm. um, because you have your house with you, you know, and like that's a, that's a great freedom um, and you're able to, I mean, frankly, anything we can do in the United States, we can do in Europe or Africa or anywhere else, mm-hmm. just in an RV. Uh, so now does the, uh, well, I guess since it's just like a van, the size of the RV won't diminish the possibility of being able to go to Europe and like drive on certain or like shipping it there, shipping it there. Correct. Right. Yeah. Now I will tell you that like there is a difference in the sense that, um, since we are a little bit longer and a little bit taller, that's the one main difference between actually our RV and a, and a normal van is we're taller. We're, mm-hmm. we're just below 11 feet tall, which means that we can't fit in like a shipping container, for example. Mm-hmm. So whereas like a van, you could roll it into a shipping container and ship it. We need what's called a roll-on, roll-off. So it's like what they do for trucks and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, They literally, it rolls on via a ramp onto a boat and then on the other end you you drive it off Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. I've heard that's a little bit more dangerous also because technically your vehicle is more exposed exposed and someone's got the keys to your van. Oh, let me tell you something about that. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, everybody everybody that we've talked to who has done this, like shipped um, even a van, um, back and forth using roll on roll off has had something stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone, which yeah. is really incredible. Like that statistically, it would be that bad, but um, there's just a tremendous amount of theft, and you have to give them the keys because they have to be able. You don't drive it onto they the boat; drive, they, they do. Drive it, yeah, right. And so, because of that, you have to surrender your keys, right? And that means that everything that's inside your RV or your van right. is 
eligible for theft. Yeah. I guess um, knowing that going into it, though, you would clear the vehicle of anything that right, was a value. Absolutely. You know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. And people do all kinds of crazy things. Like, they're like, oh, I'm going to build, you know, I'm going to make this a safe and I'm going to do this and that, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, like. Yeah, if they want in there, they want in they there. And if they it. see a safe, they're like, ooh, there's I mean, something important in there. Yeah. Just think about how much time they have to do whatever weeks. they want. Yeah. They have weeks to get across the yeah. ocean, you know. Yeah. So whatever they want to do, they can. I guess the main concern would be like, the battery bank systems and stuff like that. You don't want those to go missing because those are thousands of dollars. Exactly. You know? Yeah, lithium battery. Just for one battery, yeah. one battery, fifteen hundred bucks. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a um, a consideration, and that's why you get insurance. I mean, everybody gets this special insurance that covers for that, it, which is still terrible. I mean, the idea that you just are acknowledging, I will have something stolen, stolen is yeah. horrible. Right? Like, it's just, a, it's like a cost yeah. of doing business. Maybe one day it'll come up in a policy where it's like, okay, we'll drive your van on and then they'll give you the keys back and like lo- have it locked. And then, you know, when yeah, you get to the area to pick it up, you hand them the key back and then they drive something. it off. But even and in the port, like when it has to be in, it's not called immigration. What's it called when they. Yeah, have, but like the port area. Yeah, right? the port, because they have to like clear your vehicle and, yeah. you know, Customs check. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So like they would still have access to your vehicle when it's in there. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like you're just like, all right, well, good luck. Crap, shoot me. Yeah, yeah you're, at, you're at the will of the people at that point. Yeah. You're hoping people will be honest. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know? It's particularly hard, I think, for van lifers and RVers because it is our home. Right. You know, it's not, it, it, it's a totally different story if it's like, oh, this is my custom car that I really want to have with me in Europe because right. I'm moving to Europe. Yeah. But it's completely empty. Yeah. There's literally, yeah. It's just like seats and a steering wheel. Right. You know? yeah. This is my home. Like, yeah. You know, these are, these are prized possessions in many respects. Like this mm-hmm. is the thing that I have to have with me for it to feel like a home. Right. Yeah. And the idea that somebody literally can like violate it as much as they please for a period of weeks at a time. Right. It's kind of hard too because like, uh, like once something's violated like that, like the, yeah. the sacredness of it like changes. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had somebody break into my car before and like went back into the car and like the person like smoked cigarettes in the car. There was ashes everywhere. Uh-huh. Like he must've spent like two hours just ripping through everything, you know? Uh, and when I got back in the car the next day, it just felt like it was violated. It felt wrong. Like yeah. I couldn't wait to get rid of this car now because of yeah, the fact like that bad, this happened. It's a bad yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing we've thought about is, you know, if we were to fly to Europe and then pick up a van there. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys have considered? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. When the time comes that it, you know, because we want to be able to safely and freely travel throughout Europe. So right now it's just not that time. But when the time does come, yeah, we, we're definitely looking at all options. And I think that would probably be an easier solution. Of course, we want to have our home with us, right? Because it's your home and yep. it, you're comfortable in it and the dogs have plenty of space. But is it a more viable option to just rent right. something there. Yeah, and it's not like it's a sizing problem yeah. because to be honest with you, the RVs uh, of Europe, not I'm not talking like uh, like van life or like a B-van uh, RV, but like an actual RV, they're the same size as ours. Okay. Like they're basically cool. about 25 feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't do the big like buses and the stuff. The crazy yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Because they, they have like low like. tunnel passes and oh, stuff. And like, like lots right? of smaller, low. tighter roads. Yeah. And, yeah. It, you would not have a good, in my opinion, you would not have a good time <laughs> trying to drive around like a 45 foot like class A bus. No. Uh, no, like, <laughs> that's just going to be bad. Um, Is that like mostly an American thing? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Cla- like the big class yeah. A's? Yes. Yeah. Um, and even like, um, uh, like towables and stuff, like they don't do, they do the small, they call them caravans, but like they do like the smaller travel trailers, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Like they don't do fifth wheels. 
first of all, pickup trucks don't even really exist in Europe. Like, that's right. not even a thing. Yeah. Um, but, like, they don't do the big fifth wheels and the big travel trailers. It's all, like, small, compact, 20 feet maybe mm -hmm. um, in size. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, to wrap this up, is there anything that you would kind of recommend to people who are looking at getting into an RV um, or who are thinking about kind of joining the nomadic lifestyle? I would think just evaluate your style of travel. What is it that you want to do? Are you looking to go off the grid to some of those more isolated places? Like, do you want to go into national parks or go do epic hikes or snowboarding? Or, you know, what is your idea of this lifestyle and this travel? And are you bringing pets with you? Do you have kids with you? Like all of those things need to play a factor into like what type of rig you get. Do you want to be small and nimble? Are you going into cities? That kind of stuff. So I think that's probably first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I would add more questions to it of mm -hmm. like how quickly do you travel? How long do you anticipate staying in a given location? Mm -hmm. I think those types of things will make a huge impact on what RV is best for you. Because mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. For our RV, we wanted versatility. We wanted to be able to, um, yes, go off the grid, but uh, still one of those creature comforts and such. Um, if you are a kind of person who anticipates that you need hookups all the time, meaning you need electricity and everything mm -hmm. like at a campground, why would you invest in something that has like large lithium batteries and solar panels that right. you will ultimately never use? Mm -hmm. But I guess the, thinking back to like the beginning of your guys' experience, like when you have only ever lived in a home, you don't know. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and like Caitlin's like, I need hookups all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and now you're like, let's do 120 plus days off grid. So it's very much like, I think the longer you're in the lifestyle, the more that you'll get used to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so yeah. almost like trying something out yeah. for a while and yeah. seeing, right. you, you know, before you invest. Something. Yeah, like see, rent some, there's all kinds of rental companies too. If, if you have never really dabbled in RV life or van life, you know, do a week long trip or something to see like, what did you like about this particular rig? Do you want to try something else mm -hmm. and kind of find your groove? And it will evolve over time. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are building your second rig yeah. right now. Oh yeah. Because there are things you learned that you wanted, you know, so it's I, this constant evolution. Yeah. It's evolving big time since the first <laughs> one. Like we know what we like and what we don't like. And we're hoping that this new build provides all that. So whether you're buying an RV or you're building it out yourself, understanding what where you want things placed and how you are living specifically is very very important we have a lot of people that we know that um they they start really big because think of it if you're starting from a house you're like oh i need thousands of uh -huh. square feet in order to live <laughs> oh, yeah. just like the people we're hanging out right now yes. adaptive humanity were at that house and they went from the house to a huge class a rv and then now they're downsizing to a van that they're building themselves so it goes to show that that exact thing happens all so the time. So maybe the advice would be, if you think you need something X big, minus that by two, <laughs> and then go with that one to start. Yeah, Because yeah, it'll be a bigger adjustment at first, but then you'll, I think you'll realize that like this is enough space. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know? it's the flexibility. Oh, the other thing I would add uh, is... Like, we do tow a vehicle, uh, so even though we're 25 feet long, we still want the versatility of, like, a car or something car-sized. Um, that is something also to consider, is, like, it doesn't mean that you can't have a car. Yeah, mm -hmm. or lots Correct. of people tow motorcycles. Yeah. Motorcycles, like mopeds, yeah. scooters. Right. Yeah. All, yeah. That, all that good stuff. We just have our longboards in the back. <laughs> yeah, I actually was talking to Alex about hopefully getting, like, an electric scooter or something like that. And she's just like, you're not going to ride it. And they're like, come on. Like, you know, I guess if anybody who watches our YouTube channel knows about how bad our bicycles were, <laughs> they'll know why I am not into getting a moped. Let's just say we dragged them quite a few times. Yeah.
<laughs> so anyways, thank you guys so much for doing the podcast yeah, with us. We really it. appreciate it. Um, I think you'll be seeing a lot more of the New State Nomads if you guys are following us on YouTube because we have lots of big plans coming up in the future and even just us hanging out in this house here uh, while we're building our van and they are watching from the peanut gallery. You <laughs> <laughs> guys are doing great. Thank oh, you. thank you so much. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, yeah thank you. Of course. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Howard and Caitlin. We are huge fans of the New State Nomads, and we think that you guys, or we hope that you guys love them, too. Yeah, I love their story. I love the, everything about Scout, too. Uh, just every everywhere they go, they really are very inspiring people. I love the fact that they do a little bit of city van life or RV life as well. I think that's a very interesting point of view, because most people are out in the middle of nowhere, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool that they... Got into the whole RV lifestyle in a month. Yeah. They literally had just moved to Miami and then was like, we're out. We're we moving into a van. This is happening. Let's go. And I think that that could be really inspirational for a lot of people because, I mean, for us, we dreamt about van life for a whole year before we actually hit the road. Yes. And, you know, that might not be what everybody wants to do. And so to see, you know, another couple who have gone from zero to full-time RV life in 30 days. As well as the corporate job people to van life in 30 days. You right. know, like the the fact that they were both at nine to fives and they were hustling, bustling, and then they wanted this lifestyle. And I, I feel like that is the most important thing is that they wanted this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You have to want it to be able to get into this life. Yeah, and something that we didn't really touch on was that you know, it seemed like all the signs were kind of pointing them in that direction. Mm -hmm. Like, Howard was working from home anyways. Caitlin's new job really wasn't working out. She was super unhappy there. And so it was just kind of like, everything is pointing us to go do this thing. We should listen to our intuition and follow our hearts. And three years later, I could venture to bet that they don't regret that decision at all. Oh, not at all. And now they're working for themselves. They get they get the opportunity to decide what their schedule is. Yeah. That's- so if you're somebody who's dreaming about that, you know, we quit our nine to fives. Oh, yeah. You know, a year and a half ago. So more than grateful. That, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you know, life sometimes presents you with opportunities or inspiration. And you just really need to follow your heart because... You know, it's so easy to make excuses why you can't do something, but I think it's a lot more powerful to just try it because even if you fail, even if it ends up not being the thing for you, even if you're like, you know what, I tried it for a while and that was a great experience, but this isn't something I want to do for the rest of my life, at least you tried it because trying it gives you the experience and none of the regret. You're not going to turn around and be like, I wish I did that. Well, and the whole thing is like the thought of failure normally scares people. What you have to understand is you need failure in order to grow. So don't be scared of failing. Like even for us, we traveled to all those different mountains and we tried to create this goal that was possible. And unfortunately, that got stopped and we failed, right? We could have failed and been like, mm-hmm. you know, what? we're done with this. We're not going to travel anymore. Well, but especially instead, when the pandemic hit, we could have been like, we're just going home. Yeah. That's it. But it's instead, over. the complete opposite happened. We were like, we want to live this lifestyle even more. We want to go see as many places as we can. We think that this is the appropriate life for us in the time that we're in. And I think it's the appropriate lifestyle for a lot of people out there. You just have to be willing to make that leap. Yeah. Step outside the norm. Go for it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you being here. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to 
click the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us grow. Yeah, share it with a friend as well. If you think that this is something that they need to hear, give it to them. Let them know, you know, this is the universe giving you a sign to send it to them. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you have an FNA day and we will see you in the next one. Bye. If you guys are loving this FNA podcast and you want more, you're in luck. We've decided to release a special, exclusive podcast every single month that's going to take you way more behind the scenes on what van life is really like. All you have to do is just join our Patreon and we're going to hook you guys up. Patreon is a website where you can support creators that you love, hopefully like us, FNA Van Life. For a small monthly donation, you guys are going to get more podcasts from us and also direct access to our YouTube videos before they even come out. Go to FNAVanLife.com slash Patreon to sign up today and get instant access to so much behind the scenes content.